This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. In Exodus, we see that the Lord wanted to use a man who had an issue whenever it comes to speaking to lead over a million people out of captivity. He wanted to use Moses, of course, to lead his people out of Egypt into the land of promise, the place that he had for them. Now Moses didn't feel that he was qualified. Moses felt that he couldn't walk into the authority that the Lord said that he was giving him to be able to do this. Moses isn't the only one in scripture that we see that reacted this way. Uh, We could go to Gideon as another example. In a time where people desperately needed someone to stand up to lead, to walk in the authority that God had given them, Gideon honestly was a scare to get. But thankfully, both of these men responded to the call of God in their life. They responded as they were supposed to. They walked in the authority that the Lord had for them. And as a result, you had many, many people who were blessed and had freedom and had deliverance in their life. Amen? So every week, you and I, we come in contact, I don't know if you realize this, but we come in contact with people who desperately need a touch from God. People who desperately need freedom in their life. People who desperately just have things going on in their life, and they just need someone who can honestly minister to them. And we're in a series right now that we're calling Reset. And in this series, we've been looking at some really important areas of our life that we need to make sure that we're on track with. And of course, in this series, y'all, we started out by talking about our relationship with the Lord. Uh, we talked about resetting our priorities, our, our purpose. Last week, we looked at relationships. And this week, I'm excited because we're going to be talking about resetting how we see ourselves. Resetting how we see ourselves. We're going to close it out today with this. Uh, Whenever I was in junior high, I was a short, stocky individual. I'm going to use the word stocky. You know, I wore those husky pants. Y'all remember the husky size pants? That's right. Finally, around 10th grade, I, I began to grow. Thank the Lord, I finally began to grow. And so I was a taller, husky guy. Um, But all that to say, as I grew, there was a time whenever I actually passed my father in height. Maybe some of you young men, y'all have done that. But I still lived under his roof. I realized that maybe I had like power in my size, you know, based on my size, based on the fact that I had gotten taller than dad. I was probably a little bit stronger than dad. Of course, I was younger than dad. But I also realized that even though I was smaller, I better not question what he said. Better not question what he said. My power was no match for my father's authority. I want us to think about this today. His authority had nothing to do with his size. I had about four inches on him, and I definitely had some pounds on him. But his authority had nothing to do with his size. It was his presence, and it was his position. And not only did he have authority as it relates to myself, my sister, but I saw that he had authority as it related to others that he came in contact with, especially folks you know, in the ministry world as well. And I want you to understand that as I was growing up, and maybe you can relate to this, you probably got some insight as to what it means to walk in authority by seeing how your parents operated whenever you lived at home. 
maybe you've been around someone and they just have something to them that whenever they speak, people listen. Whenever they speak, people pay attention. Uh, they can just make people be quiet and listen. And what that something is, is it's authority that they're speaking with. And there's a difference between power, there's a difference between authority, and as believers, we need to know what the difference is so that we can understand it. Because I want you to understand this, we have a powerful enemy, but I've got some good news for you. That enemy, even though he may be kind of powerful, he must yield to the authority that you and I are able to walk in as believers. He, he must yield to the authority that we have as believers, but we have to be willing to walk in that authority, and we've got to do what it takes to walk into that authority. Uh, power is the capability of us being able to do something. It has to do with a person's ability. Authority is the right to control. It's the right to command or determine, but it has nothing to do with your ability or your capabilities. Does that make sense? Authority doesn't. So authority means that power has been bestowed upon you, and whether you have ability or not, that, that's irrelevant. And Satan often tries to fool us. He tries to distract us by making us look at our own abilities, our own human power, and he wants us to focus on that and think, well, you know, as a human, I'm just really, uh, I'm not powerful whatsoever. Has anybody ever felt that way? And he tries to get us to forget that we have authority in Jesus. Aren't you glad that you don't have to do life alone, that you've got the Lord? Come on, somebody. See, because we can't do what we've been called to do without him operating in our life. And so we've been given power and authority through Christ, but sadly, a lot of Christians choose not to use it. They choose not to walk in this authority. And so today I want us to look at what's been given to us through Jesus. And in his letter to Timothy, Paul talks about the days to come. And much of what Paul talks about here in 2 Timothy, we're seeing in the day that we live. So he says this starting in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Get this, verse 5 having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. A lot of that kind of sounds familiar in the day that we're living, does it not? There's a lot of people in America's churches this morning sitting in seats just like you that have a form of godliness, but there's no power and there's no authority in their walk. A large percentage of Mississippians, they'll say that they're Christians and they'll say they go to church, but you may not see evidence of it. You don't see evidence in what they say. You don't see evidence in how they live. There's no fruit coming out of them, that fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. And these are people that we know, and they're definitely people that the enemy knows as well. And we can fool each other 
sometimes on the outside, like we can make ourselves look spiritual. We can make ourselves appear as though we have a lot of spiritual maturity, like we walk in authority and power. But I want you to know you can't fool God. And I also want you to know the devil will eventually call your bluff. And I'm not sure how you see yourself today, but today we're going to look at a few truths about spiritual authority because we need to see ourselves as people who walk in authority. Come on, somebody. You may have authority as it relates to your job, but you need to be able to walk in the authority that Christ has given you as well. Amen. So the first thing that we got today is this is spiritual authority can only come from relationship with Jesus. It only comes from a relationship with Jesus. Unbelievers can't have spiritual authority. Religious people can't have spiritual authority. Spiritual people can't have spiritual authority. It comes from relationship with Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with him, you will not be able to walk in any kind of spiritual authority. Amen. The power of positive thinking will not help you in any way. And I'm talking about you can have spiritual authority to deal with evil spirits, to deal with the attacks of the enemy. But again, it only comes from him. A story that I absolutely love in the New Testament, I kind of crack up whenever I read it, uh, is in Acts 19. Uh, There are these seven young men. They're the sons of a guy by the name of Siva. Siva was a Jewish high priest. These men, they observed Paul doing a lot of miraculous things. They observed Paul, for instance, casting demons out of people, using the authority that he had from the Lord, right? And so they saw that the people were oohing and on. Like every time Paul would do something, they're like, check this guy out, he's popular. I mean, that's ultimately what it was. It's like, this Paul guy is in the spotlight a lot. And so apparently they got the idea that they should probably start doing that because, you know, it might make them popular and the people might ooh and ah as well. So they did something really dumb. They go and they're like, that guy's demon possessed. Let's go mess with him. Not smart. We're going to stop just for a second. Demons are a real thing. I don't actually like the word demon possess. I believe demonized is the more proper biblical term for it. But I want you to understand this. You someday may come in contact with someone who has demonic activity happening in their life. I also want to tell you this. You better be ready if you're going to get into that. Otherwise, this could happen to you, what we're about to read. Uh, I was ministering with a friend of mine a little over a year ago, and where we were going, he said, I just want you to know, the last time we, that I was here, there were demons all over the place, and we were casting out demons left and right. And he's like, so you better get ready. So, you know, I'm like, all right. So I'm pleading the blood over myself, going to the Lord, praying in the spirit, cracking my neck. I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> let's get ready for this. Like, it's about to get rowdy in here, you know? But the thing is this, is this is a real thing, But whenever you walk in authority, you don't have to walk in fear. Because, uh, again, Satan has to yield to the authority that he's given us. Again, you got to choose to walk into it. Amen? All right, so let's get back to the sons of Siva. So they go and they mess with someone who was demonized. Acts 19, verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. 
Some Jews who went around driving out spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them. So they go and they find this guy. And guess what? The spirit decided to talk back to him. The evil spirit says, Jesus I know. And Paul I know about. Who are you? You don't want to hear that from a demon. Who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on him and overpowered them all. Seven of them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I'd say they probably learned their lesson, did they not? Verse 17, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Here's the thing. They did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Spirit recognized that. The Spirit recognized that there was no authority, spiritual authority, in them. Now, if you notice what he said, he said, Paul, I know about. The Spirit may have never had any interaction with Paul, but he understood that Paul was full of the Lord, and he also understood that Paul had authority, so he was probably thinking to himself, I'm going to steer clear of Paul. So he said, Paul, I know about, but he said, who are you? In other words, you are trying to deal with me, but you have no authority to deal with me. By the way, he said, I know who Jesus is. The demon knew exactly who Jesus was. I don't know if you remember in Luke 10, 18, Jesus tells the disciples, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Y'all remember that? Lucifer and a third of the angels were cast out of heaven. Now, as we know, God has been God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit from the beginning of time. So those who were cast out, who do demonic activity on earth, they knew who Jesus was. Demons respond to the name of Jesus. Demons are fully aware who our Savior is. As a matter of fact, uh, you can go to Mark 5. And whenever Jesus got out of the boat, he had crossed the sea. There's a demon-possessed man that ran towards him. And the demon actually spoke to Jesus or the demons because uh, his name was Legion. So there were thousands of them. And he said, did you come here to torment us? See, they actually recognized him from afar. And did you come here to torment us? So I want you to understand this. Uh, demons recognize our Jesus. And that's a good thing, is it not? Again, spiritual authority only comes from relationship with Jesus. Now, thinking about the scriptures in Timothy, you can't walk in authority if you're a lot of what Paul referenced in 2 Timothy 3. Uh, for instance, if you're deceitful, you can't walk in spiritual authority. If you're a slanderer, you can't walk in it. If you're a lover of self, if you're a lover of money, if you're a gossiper, if you don't have self-control, you can't walk in the spiritual authority that you're supposed to. All of these things are from the enemy. They're all part of Satan's domain, amen? All those characteristics that we read just a moment ago. Yet many try to claim victory in Jesus Christ while they're hanging out 
in Satan's domain. It don't work, people. It, it, it doesn't work. And so our second point is this, and this may sound a little childish. You'll have no spiritual authority if you play in the devil's playground. You're not going to have any if you're playing in the devil's playground. In order for us to move forward in the authority that we have and remain in it, we've got to refuse to accept, accept. We cannot accept what Satan's offering us. He doesn't care how spiritual we think we are or how holy we think we are. But he does get concerned whenever he sees Christians who are asking the question, what are my rights as a believer? That gets him nervous. And whenever we begin to walk in that, he gets extremely nervous because Satan is one who understands spiritual authority. Again, as 2 Timothy 3 says, we've got people among us who have a form of godliness, but listen, there is no power in their life. And, and we're going to put that verse up for you again. And we can see here in chapter 3 the activities offered, the activities offered at Satan's playground. And he tries to draw us away from the Lord by these things that we read on here. I mean, for instance, he wants us to become a lover of self. Are we living in a very self-centered world right now? Does anybody think so? It's all about me. It's all about living our best life. It doesn't matter as long as I'm happy. Even at the expense of others, it doesn't matter. I mean, for instance, you're seeing people just leave their families because they're not 100% happy, right? Because it's all about them. Lovers of self or, or lovers of money. They're just focused on pursuing more and more and more and more so that they can live the lifestyle that they want to live and so that they can feel like, you know, they have enough. But the truth is, is that whenever you have that going on in your life, you'll never have enough. You can always put numbers there like, you know, if I just had this amount in savings, then I would feel secure. Nope, once you get there, it's not going to be enough because then there's the next step. And once you get there, it's not going to be enough. Lovers of money. And then there's the other characteristics that, that we have to watch out for. Slandering. Lack of self-control. Unloving. You know, there are people that call themselves Christians that will, it'll come out of their mouth, I hate that person. What? Disobedient to parents. Not forgiving. Loving what makes them happy more than loving what makes God happier, loving God. And these are just some of the activities that, that Christians participate in. And honestly, a lot of believers enjoy participating in these sorts of things. But again, if we want to walk into the authority that we're meant to have, we've got to get past this. The days of having one foot in and one foot out, it, it can't happen if you want to walk in the authority that he's got for you. You can't be hot. You, or you can't be, you know, like lukewarm. You've either got to be in or you got to be out. Amen. James 4, 7 says this. Submit. Somebody say submit. Submit yourselves to God. Resist. Come on, let's all say it together. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You've truly got to submit to God and then you've got to resist the enemy. And how many of you know, y'all, that's work. That, that's work because let me tell you, um, submitting to God is more than just sitting in church saying, God, I submit to you. 
you know, because in a little while we're going to play a worship song and you can all say, God, I submit to you. What are you going to do as soon as you walk out these doors? That's whenever the rubber meets the road, right? Are you truly submitted to him? Are we going to go back to those old ways that we talked about just a moment ago? It's work. It's denying self. But as you continue to submit to God, I want you to understand the resisting the enemy will get much easier. We get stronger and stronger and stronger in our walk with the Lord. And as a result, man, resisting the enemy, that's no issue whatsoever. I want you to understand there are people that deal with certain kind of addictions. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You've had struggles in the past, but as you've gotten closer and closer and closer to the Lord, those things, that, that's just a past. You don't even have the desire anymore, all right? Because he's consumed you and you're just full of him. And so there's not this empty place. There's not this void on the inside of you where you're craving what you used to crave. But as we have more and more of him in our life, it's easier to resist the enemy. But as you continue to submit to God, I want you to know it's going to be well worth it. Amen. It's going to be well worth it. Number three, we must choose to use the authority that we've been given. We've got to choose to use it. You may say to yourself, not really sure if I want to. There are believers that kind of have the attitude of that sounds like a lot of work. That may be running through your head right now. There are a lot of believers that have the attitude of, I've prayed the sinner's prayer. I know he died for me. I know I'll get to heaven, but I'm probably just going to still keep on doing the same thing that I'm doing. I want you to know something. It's up to you. But my wife and I, we, we've determined that we are not going to live defeated lives. We're not going to do it. I mean, I want you to, to, to know why, because so much was made available to us by the broken body of Jesus, by the stripes that he took on my behalf, by the nails that were driven through his wrists and through his feet while he hung on that cross naked and humiliated, the fact that he gave his life for me and you and that he walked out of that grave, he made so much available to us, and I'm sorry, I'm not just going to take the intro package. I want every bit of it. I want every bit of what he's offering me. Every bit of it. Think about what he did for you. It was more than just salvation. Is that the most important thing? Absolutely. We know that. But he gave his life for even more than that. And I want every bit of it. I don't know about you, but I want every bit of it. So what authority have we been given? Luke 10, 19. Jesus said this. I have given you authority. You notice that I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Let's just focus on the highlighted part right here. It would say, I have given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Whatever Satan wants to do in your life, you can have the authority to override it. That's a game changer whenever you really understand that and begin to walk in it. So what does the authority over the power of the enemy include? In Matthew 9, it says this, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, 
teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he, healed, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. He said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Uh, Jesus was exercising his authority here in these verses over the enemy as we see. He was healing every kind of disease, every kind of illness. By the way, that's not just physical. That's also talking about your mental state of being. And that's talking about those of you who you feel like you were broken and crushed on the inside. Like your heart's been broken. He wants to heal that. He wants to heal that. It's not just physical, amen. It's on the inside as well. Now, just real quick, you may read this scripture and you may think to yourself, well, Gene, he could do all this because he was Jesus. You know, Trinity, three and one, he's God. That's the reason he can do it. Maybe that's what you're thinking. He did do it, but I want you to understand this. He did it as a human being. He was sent from heaven clothed in humanity. Some of y'all hadn't heard me talk about this, so I'm going to talk about it just for a second. He was sent from the Father clothed in humanity, the reason that he had miracles happening in his life was because he was in right relationship with the Father. John 14, 12 says this. I tell you the truth. Anyone, can we all say anyone? Let me let you in on something. You're an anyone. I'm an anyone. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done an even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. In other words, I'm going to be with the Father. The Holy Ghost is about to hit the seam and rock your world. But hold on, let's talk about that just for a minute. So maybe you're of the mindset of, well, the reason that he could heal everybody was because he was God walking on earth. Again, it was because he was in right relationship with the Father because if the miracles that he did were because he was God, then it would be impossible for us to do the same or even greater things. Does that make sense? Because I want you to understand this, we can't do more than God, right? We can't do greater things than God. But he was on the earth in right relationship with the Father and he was doing these things and he was, he was telling the disciples, these things right here, you're going to be able to continue this work. Anyone who believes, they can continue this work. So back to Matthew 9, it says this, verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and they were helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Jesus made this statement after seeing these people with all these needs. His fame had spread. People were coming to him like crazy. He was one man. He was doing the miraculous, but he was one man. And he sees these people. He says whenever he saw them, that they were helpless and they were confused. How many of y'all right now know people who are confused in this world? How many of y'all know people that honestly, they're helpless in this world? And what he was telling the disciples were, listen, guys, I need y'all and I need others to continue to do this work that I'm doing. 
I need y'all to do it. And so I want you to understand this. Whenever he said, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers. We are the workers destined to do what Jesus did here on earth. Amen. We're the ones that he, that he called to do it. And honestly, what, 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 we're, what we saw him do in Scripture, pointing people, to G, or pointing people to the Father, setting people free, being part of their healing, whether it was on the inside, mental, physical, whatever it was, those very things are what we've been called to do, to continue his ministry on. That, that's what he's asked us to do. In Matthew 10, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples together. And what did he do? He gave them authority to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. Then he tells them this in verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely, you have received, freely give. Church, I want to tell you something. Freely, we've received now we need to give. Come on, somebody. The authority that he gave them is available to us as well to do the same works, to do greater works. And I want you to understand this wasn't just for the 12. This wasn't just for them. Whenever you look later in the New Testament, we see that this ministry continued on. The miraculous happened throughout the New Testament, and it hasn't stopped yet. But each of us has been given authority over the power of the enemy. But we've got to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. We got to submit to God and that's not just talking it out, that's truly giving God everything. Submitting to him, we've got to resist the enemy and we've got to choose to walk into this authority that he's got for us. And if you choose not to, that's on you. I'm here to tell you, if you choose not to, life's gonna be a whole lot harder. And by the way, it doesn't just affect you, it can affect your family as well. For the sake of your family, men, you need to walk in the authority that the Father's given you. So whenever your wife, whenever your kids are not doing well, you can put your hands on them and you can start speaking the word of God and you can command, command that situation to turn around. Can I go ahead and just give you a, a quick testimony and some may be like, well, you're just lucky, baloney. There are four Amosons living under my roof. Since this whole COVID mess started, we've never had COVID in my household. We're four years in, COVID free. We don't get sick at our house. Every now and then I might have to blow my nose or something like that. How many times have I missed preaching from being sick as long as y'all can remember? And some of you are thinking, well, you're probably gonna get it. I rebuke those words in the name of Jesus. Uh, you see, I don't operate that way. Well, like, well, now you're probably going to get it. Baloney. No, because I know about the broken body and the stripes of Jesus that took care of my healing. Men, you need to walk in the authority as the heads, as the priest of your home. You need to take charge because right now Satan wants your home. Satan wants your children. But you need to say, no, as for me and my house, we will serve God. 
and you need to impart to them, speak it to them, declare from generation to generation, your family's gonna serve the Lord. Your family is going to serve the Lord. Come on, stand with me today if you will. I feel like some of you today, you may feel like the sons of Siva. You may feel like you have gotten yourself whipped a number of times. Everything's hard. Nothing comes easy. It's just battle after battle, setback after setback. You feel like whenever you pray, you just think to yourself, God doesn't hear it. You think to yourself, you haven't heard from God in forever. And you just feel beat up right now. You feel like you can't get ahead in life. The truth is, is that things can improve, but it is 100% up to you for it to take place. You've got to take that first step for it to take place. Again, James 4, 7, it starts off by saying submit. Come on, somebody say submit. Submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the enemy. Once again, it's more than just saying, God, I submit to you. There's a word sometimes I use from stage called familiarity. Familiarity is knowing somebody, of course, very carefully or really well. Familiarity also gets to a place to where sometimes there can be an issue with honor. So for instance, if you're a supervisor at your job, if you've got a very close friend or a relative that you supervise, you could understand that could be difficult, could it not? Because of something called familiarity. Some of us have gotten a little too close with the enemy. And I want you to understand this, that we can't have authority over the enemy. Once again, if we're playing on this playground. And today, some of y'all have got to make that decision that we're done. The things that we talked about earlier, we're done with them. We're moving forward. We're submitting to God. We're all in for him. We're all in for him. So we've got a decision to make today. Are we going to get beat up? We want to just keep getting beat up or are we ready to live an overcoming life? Come on, anybody ready to live an overcoming life? You're ready to see just victory come time and time and time again in your life. Are you ready to be part of somebody, somebody's life to where they've got struggles going on, but because of you, you're going to be able to go in. You're going to be able to speak into their life. You're going to be able to pray for them and then see breakthrough in their life as well. I want you to know the harvest, it's plenty, but God's saying, will you partner with me and do my work? And I'm asking you today, are you going to partner with him and do his work today? Healing every kind of disease. Come on, seeing hearts healed, seeing mental illness healed seeing physical healing. Will you be part of that taking place in other people's lives? I want you to know he wants you to be part of it. Amen. He wants you to be part of it. He wants you to see people healed. He wants you to see evil spirits leave because you pray for people because right now people are oppressed. People are depressed. They have activity going on in their life that's not of God. He wants you to, again, be able to speak to situations and see change. So today, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? As a victim, always getting beat up, like the seven boys, 
Or do you see yourself as a victor today? Come on, come on, do you see yourself as a victor today? So if you're ready to walk in that authority today, I want you to get your hands up. We're all gonna declare this today. We're gonna read it together on the screen. You got it, Seth? Come on, let's all say it together. Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on Calvary. Today I choose to walk in the power and authority you have for me. I submit to you and invite you to have your way in my life. I'll continually resist the enemy and I declare he must flee by faith. I declare I'll begin to see signs, wonders, and miracles in my life, the lives of others in this church, in Jesus' name. Come on, give God some praise today. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. We invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 o'clock or learn more at churchalive.net.